Got it. Well, on that note, um, hello, everybody. Welcome to Uncommon Sense. This is a podcast that is uncommon and makes sense. My name's Aimee, and I lost the same toe on each... No, wait, hold on. I lost the same toenail on each foot on two separate occasions. You know what I mean? The middle toenail on my left foot, I lost the middle toenail once, and then a few weeks later, I lost the middle toenail on my other foot. Just came right off. The whole toenail. And that's... That's nasty. Yeah. Yeah, that was... It was... mm Mm-hmm. Who's next? Uh, I'm Jerry, and on a good day, I can crack my knuckles. Yeah, knuckles. <laughs> my knuckles twenty-two <laughs> times in thirty seconds. How many knuckles do you One have? One second. Uh, many. I'll be right back. All right, JT. Um, this is your window. Hi. I'm JT. This is my window. Um, and when I was a young child, I was obsessed with making, um quote-unquote toys, play-withable things um, out of fruit snacks, like fruit roll-ups, gushers, um, and it actually became uh, close to an obsession that I had to be uh, referred to a therapist for. My parents were concerned that I over-validated the integrity of um, So if you want to find out if we're telling the truth or lying about ourselves, you're going to have to wait for the entire podcast where we spill all the tea right at the end. So on that note, Let's move on. Uh, let's discuss. Don't skip to the end. It's not allowed. We'll know. Yet. Yeah, we'll know. We're watching you, Kyle. I'm looking at you, oh. Kevin. Oh, That's it's Kevin now? You can skip to the end. JT. We got Kyle last time. <laughs> now looking it's at Ke- Kevin. This now time. it's Kevin. It's all about you, Kevin. Yeah, That's right, off, Kevin. People. We're looking at you, Kevin. So listen, listen, Kevin. I'm looking directly at you. We're going <laughs> to... Kevin, you look good. Hear me looking at you, Kevin. Kevin, I think green you know is what you did. really your color. I think you should stick with green. All right, let's you talk know, about... You know, if we somebody that's great. <laughs> throw it up, Kevin. All right, let's talk about current events. Who's got a current event? I feel like I always bring the current events to the table. I want to hear what somebody else has to say you know, about what's going on now. This isn't like a current event, but it is like a current event. Can we talk about black currants for a second? Like the fruit? Oh, they're not legal in the United States. Yeah, because they kill trees. Huh? That makes me sad. I would taste huh? black Yeah, I would love to taste the black currant, but, but we what? can't get them over here because they infect the trees. So black currant is like a flavor and a fruit over in Europe. I believe mainly Britain. I don't know exactly where it's from. But we can't get it over here because the uh, fruit itself contains a virus that affects trees and like kills them. Uh... All of the trees over in Europe have gone through the process already of, like, being, like, uh, like, like, natural selection. Like, the trees that were immune and could pass an immunity on, like, reproduced, but hey, the trees whoa. that were susceptible died. Have you considered that those trees are the true children of God and that's why they are, have been gifted immortal life? Checkmate, atheists. Don't bring natural selection into my yeah. good Christian household, you Charles Darwin-worshipping fuck. Listen, yeah. if God can get me some black currants over here, that'd be cool. But at the moment, you can't you can't get them. Like, what's a black currant taste like? Everybody says it tastes Why like grape so... flavoring, but like... How did this come into your purview, and what event in your life 
was there a discussion about black currency? So, you were like, oh man, I really wish I had access to a black current in particular. So, I bring this up like once every like two years or so, and I brought it up relatively recently. I was talking with people about black current and how I wanted to try it. Um, and then you said current event, and my brain linked the two things. I was like, I can talk about a current event, but not a current event. Discreet. Um, for the wordplay. But yeah, the the event that I, yeah, I really want to try black currents. Anybody out there, any listeners, if you can track my IP address, just like, you know, find where I live, send me some <laughs> black current stuff, but like not actual black currents. I don't want the trees to die. Um, just black current merch. Yeah, give it to us, JT. First recording as of uh, Joe Biden's presidency. There we go. Yes. I guess that's a good backup to mine. (laughs) It's a good. It plays second fiddle to the whole black currency thing, but we can definitely talk about Joe Biden. Yes, Joe Biden has been officially inaugurated uh, as the forty-sixth president of the United States. Um, okay, whoever that fuck was that was both the 22nd and the 24th president, he's actually still just the 22nd. He was just president again. He's not the 24th president. Uh, well, it was the yes. 20... Yeah, that actually does get confusing. Let me tell you, I have had some serious compunctions about that in the past because when somebody asks me how many presidents were there, I don't know if I should include his second administration as a separate administration. Like, basically, I don't know if you're asking me how many presidential administrations there were or how many individuals have been president. So Grover Cleveland really did fuck us up there. He really did. And that will forever be his legacy. Fuck you, Grover Cleveland, you slut. Actually, uh, Grover Cleveland is the example, the only example in presidential history of an individual who has been president two terms non-consecutively, because I believe uh, Benjamin Harrison was in between his two terms. That uh, is the only time that has occurred. A lot of people have been discussing the possibility about Donald Trump running for a second term in 2024, and that's why a lot of people want him to be convicted in the upcoming Senate trial after his impeachment to ensure that that will never happen again. And to be clear, if a president gets impeached, it doesn't always 100% of the time mean that they can never hold the presidential office ever again. It depends on what the conviction is about. Depends on, you know, what the indictment is. But it's a possibility. So a lot of people are hoping that that comes to fruition, but we need 17 Senate Republicans to agree to convict him. So who knows if that's going to happen. Anybody had any thoughts about that? Um... It's very exciting. I was watching the inauguration as it was being live streamed on the internet. A lot of people in the QAnon of the QAnon variety were waiting and sitting on the edges of their seats, you know, for the Capitol Police to like storm Joe Biden and arrest him for the satanic uh, child trafficking cabal that he spearheads. And ultimately, that didn't happen. I've actually been watching a lot of like QAnon coping and like MAGA coping videos of them crying and wailing and, and some people even are disillusioned with the movement to the extent that they're moving away from QAnon and realizing that it's bullshit few and far in between but interesting development I'm impressed minimally by anybody who took this long to realize that QAnon is so full of shit but that's just my take as the sheeple as the, as the sherpson that I am <laughs> wake up sheepsons uh, yeah I'm just gonna say this is the First time that I can remember that I want Trump to get the popular vote. What do you mean? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. I see what you did there. I don't get it. Explain it to me. Because if he gets the popular vote in the Senate, then... Oh, right. Yes. The Senate requires a two-thirds supermajority for it to happen. Obviously, we're assuming every senatorial Democrat will vote in favor of conviction. We're holding out for. I've been seeing a lot of people angry at... Well, angry is um, a very blasé word to use. You could seeing a lot of controversy surrounding senators and other congressional individuals, uh, some House representatives being taken a task over supporting Donald Trump's attempts at insurrectionism, which we could have talked about weeks ago, but like Josh Hawley, for example, Ted Cruz, a lot of people are advocating for their removal from Congress. Also, oh, speaking of impeachment, here's another current event. Um, Miss um, Representative from Georgia, Marjorie something green, Sylvia something. I don't remember. Her first name's Marjorie. That's all I can remember. She has filed um, or drafted articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. Did y'all know that? No. On what grounds? I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if that's been made public. It may have been. I'm trying to remember if I heard what the reasoning for that was. I think one of them has to do with um, the Hunter Biden thing and the financial collusion with Ukraine or some kind of bribery or like some of that conspiratorial like Hunter Biden laptop um, financially illicit dealings that were made with foreign powers. There might be something about election fraud in there. Not eh, not entirely sure. But the man's been in office when the impeachment uh, articles were announced having been drafted. He had been in office for, I think, not even two full days. So amazing. Amazing. Yeah political climate is um mm, something that's how you know you're in uh america yeah uh i uh used to be a rather patriotic person back when back in the when i was in high school and i still have like Reading. patriotic memorabilias and stuff from those days i will say this Maybe a hot take. I'm actually, I don't know. Uh, I would say it's okay to be, to identify as a patriotic individual at any point in time, as long as it doesn't cross over into nationalism territory. I want to push the idea that, like, patriotism is wanting what's best for your country, and then nationalism is thinking that your country is great no matter what it does, which shouldn't be the case. If your country is wrong, and if it's bad, and if it's not functioning well, that that should be alarming to you <laughs> and if it if it's imperialist and it's hurting other people or hurting the people within its own domestic confines that should be alarming to you so i can i can love the promise of america you know in a way very abstractly and simply put without and i can very plainly hate <laughs> everything that is going on right now but um on a more positive note, Joe Biden has signed a flurry of executive orders very analogously to the way that um, Trump had done when he first assumed office in 2016. And among the, these things, I think there were 17 executive orders. Last time I heard, uh, there might be more now. And one of them was repealing the ban on transgender individuals from serving in the military. Another was extending the eviction. Um, what's it? What's the word I'm looking for? Memorandatorium. Somebody help me out here. What's that word? Moratorium? Uh, it's moratorium, right? Moratorium. That's for the dead people, right? Y'all are like, I don't know. He extended, it's a basically like eviction is illegal until that 
was a thing because of COVID, and now it's illegal to evict. So that that whole rule has been extended. So now it it is, is extended until March, I think. Um, I think loan forgiveness has been extended for a while. So there's a yeah. lot of positive things that are happening. I've been seeing a lot of leftists that are pleasantly surprised by the proactivity that has been going on in the executive branch, which is good. A lot of people are still upset because we still have loans and we still have bad things. So eh, it depends on at what pace you're expecting positive change to happen, but there are things happening. So on some level, we can be glad of that. I'm just happy Trump is gone. Uh, the air is cleaner. My skin is clearer. My crops are watered. All that good stuff. So I think my pee grew a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Probably not. Not because of that. No, alright. Well, anyway. <laughs> I just really wanted to share. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, any other current events? Or shall we uh, move on? Not yet, I've on. already shared my current events. <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> Jerry needs black currants! So... Listen, send me all of our copious listeners over in Europe. Please send over some black currant candy that won't kill our trees. That'd be nice. Thank you. When I, when I move, I can just tell people about this podcast. Don't don't forget that. That's true. Right. Thank you. Well, can do that. We'll hold you to that. So, all right. I know that you guys are dying to know what the topic of today is. You're just dying for me to reveal that. I don't have one. My classes start tomorrow. I've been in the middle of an existential intellectual malaise period. I haven't thought about preparing any notes for today. I have that. So we can just talk about whatever we want. Here's my thing. Um, I was like, oh, let's talk about the Alien and Sedition Acts for John Adams because everybody's talking about how Trump getting banned from social media is censorship. I was like, let's talk about George Orwell in 1984, but I'm pretty sure George Orwell was not American, so it doesn't really fit with the theme of the podcast. Like, I don't know. Um, here's the thing about the Alien and Sedition Acts. Um, John Adams was a emotionally volatile bitch baby trying his best. Abigail Adams was mad that people were being mean to him. He was mad that people were being mean to him. She was like, hey, you should make uh, people criticizing you illegal. You should go ahead and do that because you have the power to do that because you're the president. And John Adams was like, I don't know, because like, the First Amendment says that that's not allowed. And she was like, you, but you should do it anyway. Um, and then he, because he was pressured, he went ahead and like put that idea out there. It's one way or another got through Congress, which I don't know how the fuck that happened. And then it was illegal to publish seditious opinions about the executive in newspapers. So 14 journalists were convicted under the Alien Sedition Acts. Pretty sure, I'm pretty, pretty sure that Thomas Jefferson uh, pardoned them all. I think that's like one of the first things he did when he uh, became president. He got rid of these Alien Sedition Act um, people that were convicted under it, and they were free to go. So, uh, that's not an hour's worth of material. I don't know. You guys have any thoughts about that? <laughs> that sucks. You know, I would love to talk about censorship, honestly. Yeah. And maybe the logistics of what it, what that means. Yeah. Well, we can definitely. It's a broad topic, and I think it would be interesting to talk about. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the onset, or do you want me to kind of? put some leading questions out there <laughs> up to you um you know what I'm, I'm curious as to what you have to say regarding leading questions let's let's do that well something that comes to mind okay um 
censorship insofar as governance, you know, the Bill of Rights, mm. First Amendment protects freedom of speech. To what extent does that cover? And to be more specific, I actually think this is an interesting example. Uh, I'm not sure about the specifics of this incident, and I apologize for that. There was a famous Supreme Court case in which the problem was that Nazis were staging marches in Jewish communities. And a lot of people, needless to say, and justifiably, were quite upset that these demonstrations were being performed, so they sued this group of Nazis for doing that. The question became, should we make it illegal uh, for Nazis to demonstrate, you know, because you could construe it as a, a hate crime or an inciting of violence, even though the act of demonstrating and they were just walking with their nazi flags i think is what they were doing that in itself was not violent just walking with flags is not violent the ideology could be construed as violent and i think that was the crux of the argument it got all the way up to the supreme court i believe ultimately that the nazi group won because um the conclusion was that their free speech th that protection of the constitution um, the, the, their actions as demonstrators were protected by that stipulation in the Bill of Rights. So they were allowed to demonstrate as long as they weren't doing anything ostentatiously illegal, like physically attacking people. And that's why the Nazi flag was never made illegal, because people thought the, that flying symbols is also a part of the freedom of speech. So all that being with that context, uh, if you guys have any thoughts about that, what is your opinion? Are those kinds of things protected by the Constitution or are they not? Jay, if you have anything to say, you should go for it. Yeah, I was going to say, as much as I disagree with it, it is protected under the Constitution, playing devil's advocate, because they're expressing an opinion without directly causing violence, even if that opinion is absolute garbage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like at that point it's up to everybody else to exercise their freedom of speech to just call them assholes yeah, and kind of ostracize them on a person to person basis so the take is like you're free to fly your bigoted hate symbols but you're going to have to accept the fact that people will see you as a hateful bigot <laughs> basically is what I'm yeah. getting okay yes um, yeah. J JT do you have any thoughts I'm sure you do. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, um, I would tend to disagree with Jerry, um, and uh, the way I would do that. Um, sorry, I got distracted there for a second. Um, no problem. So I, I feel like. So. I've never been put in a position where so I thought that someone represented some larger organization or faction that posed a threat to my uh, life, health, or, or well-being. Um, so I can only imagine when I sort of elaborate here, I'm strictly imagining that um, anyone who Sorry is about the Discord noises. Jewish, well, honestly, we're not catching it. Okay. Um, uh, but maybe maybe that's coming up for you. Anyways, um, anyone who's Jewish, um, 
or maybe not, or handicapped in any way, um, or maybe a gypsy, or anyone that is not a white man, I feel like, would look at um, a swastika and feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that is just what I imagine. Um, if, if, if I saw someone represent a group that represented hate towards any of my people, I would feel physically threatened. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine that I would. Um, and I don't think that anybody who does nothing wrong deserves to feel physically threatened by someone else's quote-unquote freedom to express themselves. You know, I don't, I don't think it should be illegal to feel that way as, you know, maybe justifying as that may come off. It certainly isn't meant to be. Um, but I, I wholly think it should be illegal to, to um, potentially incite that, that threat of violence. Because while whoever may be flying you know, whatever swastika or or uh, Confederate flag, or that, sorry, that's not even a Confederate flag. It's, it's uh, Virginia something, whatever. We all know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, any any sort of... Are you talking about the South Carolinian, like, palm tree flag? No, I'm, ta- I'm talking about the flag that the one with the X on it. No, colloquially as the Confederate flag, despite the fact that that... Uh, but not even used during the war. Okay, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's that's wrong. Um, however, if if we want to argue that someone someone representing that symbol or you know whatever have you um, should be legal, okay, cool. But we need to acknowledge that there is a threat of violence there and that threat of violence should be met with equal force. Mm-hmm. Okay. Understood. Without punishment of law. If that's, if that's the card, if that's the hand we want to play, then cool. But, like, if 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 there's someone who represents a group that, that you know, means ill will to my people uh, parading about, I should have every right to put his teeth on the fucking concrete for displaying that so openly and putting me in that position, provoking that situation. Uh, Jerry, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with the side of the argument I'm stating. I'm just putting it out there to see what it kicks up. Uh, How do you feel about the Catholic Church going around yelling at uh, people of the LGBT community then? Um, Are you talking about... Should they... That's fine. Are you talking about the Westboro Baptist Church? Just like at colleges and things. Oh, okay. Like so, just generally. People going around actively harassing people who they decided look to be LGBT. Yeah, uh, definitely. Like being a jackass is not illegal and shouldn't be illegal because it, it was you're starting on a slippery slope if you attempt to legislate people's minds, uh, <laughs> people's minds and their verbal yeah. speech habitudes. Um, here's the thing about, if I may 
contribute my thoughts to the conversation because this is something that I have thought about extensively and my mind has kind of changed on it recently. I used to be on the side of like, as far as Nazi demonstrations, Nazi flags, Confederate flags go. Uh, it, it gets tricky. It gets very tricky when it comes to free speech because you can construe it as inciting violence, which is expressly illegal. Uh, but then on the other hand, uh, censorship does set uh, precedents that can reflect poorly on society in general moving forward. You do not want to set any sort of precedent that can come back to, to bite uh, any, any, any demographic with any demonstration that you can construe as you know, politically charged. Sure. So here's the thing, though. That's just my preface here, because I have you know, some wavering thoughts. Um, when it comes to the whole how much in the vein of free speech is acceptable, especially, I'm going to go ahead and say blanketedly, I mean this uh, in terms of public and federal property. When it comes to your private property, my opinions might be different. I don't know that it should be illegal for you to fly a Confederate or a Nazi flag on your porch, as much as I hate the idea of people doing that when it comes to your private property that you own. You know, the, the things might, I could be convinced otherwise. When it comes to public property, when it comes to federal property, this is specifically what I'm talking about. Um, these symbols are explicitly historically intolerant of specific groups of people. I don't want to hear the argument about what the Nazi symbol used to represent, about how it used to be re religious and it used to be for peace. Everybody understands it colloquially to mean it, it, that it's anti-Semitic. We have, it, the, the definition of the Nazi symbol has evolved irreparably. So let's just make that clear here. When you fly a Nazi symbol or demonstrate put a Nazi symbol anywhere for people to see that we know that it's in conjunction with World War II and the Nazis. So that is clearly an intolerant symbol, the Confederate flag. No matter what you think about the origins of the Civil War, it explicitly had to do with slavery. The Confederates fought on the side of that war to perpetuate the institution and the legality of slavery. So the Confederate flag stands for that. And it's, you know, the kind of I don't I don't I don't understand why anybody tries to argue that there has nothing to do with race or that it's not racist it's expressly explicitly racist so there's no reason to fly or celebrate confederate sim iconoclism um, icon iconography um, without construing it that way or understanding that people at large will construe it that way so all that being said what I'm getting at is these are intolerant symbols and when it comes to the phenomena of tolerance and to what extents we take it, it's like the question becomes, how much do we tolerate intolerance? So this is a very famous uh, kind of philosophical compunction that people juggle with. And it's, if, you, if anybody's interested in, in reading the Wikipedia page, I believe you can look up the paradox of tolerance and you can read all about it. Uh, it describes the case in the sociological scenario in which when the principle of tolerance is extended unilaterally and envelops intolerant principles, the intolerance will win out and become the default, the sociological default and will lead to oppression. So under that principle, intolerance in a legal setting or in a federal or a governmental setting should not be tolerated because it will inevitably lead to intolerance or oppression, you know, in the form of oppression. 
So when it comes to what constitutes intolerance, anything that condemns the existence of a demographic by virtue of religious practice, by virtue of nationality or skin color or ethnicity or anything like that, you know, um, I see a lot of people saying, who specifically conservatives, saying if the left or the liberals or the leftists or whoever are all about toler tolerance and inclusivity, and if that, that's their whole motif, why don't they tolerate the Proud Boys or why don't they tolerate the conservative platform? Why don't they tolerate white supremacy or why don't they tolerate this, that, or the other thing? That's because that's directly harmful. That's directly exclusive, especially towards people who are practicing or are existing in ways that are not harmful to other people. And that's the crucial difference, if that makes sense. Like, you, you can't, there is no way to rationalize not tolerating uh, harmless attributes about a person or a demographic of people so being black nothing wrong with being black <laughs> being a nazi there's something wrong with being a nazi like i i want to make it very clear you know the differences here being a woman nothing wrong with that being a transgender woman nothing wrong with that being uh jewish Nothing wrong with that. None of these things that I've listed are harmful to anybody. They are harmless things, harmless facets of a person's identity. Being a confederate, being a proponent of slavery, being a white supremacist, being a Nazi, these practices, these attributes, or these affiliations and stances are directly harmful and exclusive towards other people. That's the difference. That is the stuff that cannot be tolerated. That is why I think, at the end of the day, demonstrations and symbology of these exclusive bigoted movements and ideologies are unacceptable. And that's why they can be construed as inciting violence. And that is why they should not be legal. So that is my, thank you for coming to my TED talk. I think that's, I've, I've went at length enough about all that. Go ahead, Jerry. I, I have something I wanted to bring up on the topic while we're here. Is there like... This is going to be a silly question when I first ask it. Do you think there's like a statute of limitation on these kind of things? Because I'm looking back into history and thinking about different things like that the Catholic Church has done when it comes to intolerance mm -hmm. in this world. Going around like literally killing everybody who wasn't Catholic. Mm-hmm. Or at least torturing them and things like that. Um, is there like, is there like an amount of time that has to pass before somebody who is intolerant is once again tolerated? Or how so, does that work? I, I think that's interesting. I think that's really interesting um, that you bring that up. And no, I don't think that's honestly silly at all. Um, I think to a point... Um, only because something like faith tends to be kind of a subjective thing. You can have someone who figures very closely to, um, you know, Catholicism or, or, you know, whatever have you, but still not be a bigot, still not be someone who, um, hates other people for the sake of it, seemingly. Um, you know, and you can't be a Nazi and 
not like that like part of a defining factor of being a Nazi is being bigoted hateful towards you know most groups of people um, whereas something like Catholicism being a part of the Catholic Church so to speak um, I don't think is innately hateful people can interpret scripture in such a way that suggests bigotry sure and I, I think that's wrong um, maybe not legal provided they're not acting on it but but that's the thing is like Catholicism is not represented by bigot, bigoted behavior and activity despite the fact that historically people have done things for um, you know their religion that are wholly hateful and bigoted and awful you know much the same as um, you know what people would say are, are Islamic extremists in recent history in no way should we be judging um, Muslim people for um, the actions of, of people that are extremists that label themselves as being within the same faith and have done you know whatever horrible act in the name of their God we shouldn't judge all uh, people of that um, that that belief structure for the mistakes of, of extreme people. So I would say the same falls in in the instance of Catholicism, despite the fact that, you know, historically um, the Catholic Church has done bad things. Yeah, I think the fulcrum here is that Catholicism is not unilaterally violent or bigoted. Um, it, there's a lot of variables when you consider these different groups of people, but not like Catholicism is a comparison or being compared to Nazism. Nazism is contingent upon bigoted principles such as anti-Semitism and eugenics and things like that. Uh, and it has been irreparably construed as such. Like there's no way to reform or to change the public perception of the history or the meaning of Nazism. Catholicism as a religion is much broader um, and more, I would, I'm tempted to say, more vague or more definitionally ambiguous group with which to affiliate that has done bad things, but that is not bigoted or violent or dangerous by virtue of uh, in and of itself you know yes so would it stand to reason that any demonstration on public or federal grounds by a group of individuals that is specifically like put together to target a group and advocate against that group should not be prohibited or not not be condoned sorry other it should be prohibited. So I think that the line should be drawn between discomfort and um, and like a threat. So people, people like Christians standing out front of Planned Parenthood and advocating for abortion and stuff and yelling at people going in and out and stuff is wrong, is morally wrong, but I don't think should be illegal by the um, by the, the freedom of speech that is granted to us as, as U.S. citizens. Um, but, but not illegal. Um, the difference is they're not 
they're like they're not representing anything um and I'm not, I'm not against my mind being changed on this let me be clear um but I, I don't think they represent anything violent towards these people you know they're they're harassing them but they're not <laughs> like you know hey if you, you don't get an abortion i'll i'll fucking eat you like that's 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 <laughs> I think this is basically you have to draw the line between um, being like it like um, this is this is this is difficult to articulate because I think that represents Mm -hmm. how tricky this whole situation is. There's an important line you need to draw between inciting violence or being ideologically charged in a dangerous way and just being a jackass, you know? Yeah, I feel like. I feel like we're all on the same side of the fence on this, can I just say? Like, for the most part. Like, after the definition, like, I... Yeah. I see where it's coming from here. Sure. Uh, specifically after I was, like, talking about tolerating intolerance and kind of elaborated on that. It's not something I thought about at, yeah. like... Yeah. But now I am, yeah. and I'm sort of vocalizing the thoughts I'm having on it as it's going. Because, JT, you had talked about earlier that if you feel threatened by a group of people like speaking out against you mm-hmm. you should have the right to defend yourself yeah Thank you. so if there's a bunch of people like a large group of people harassing you over this one thing and you are alone and feel threatened should you be able to defend yourself against that group of people you know it's an interesting conversation about the moment like the temporal moment at which rhetoric turns to violence and when what that's in at what point that's legally condemnable i'm reminded of an incident back in like um I'm trying to think about i wish i knew what exact year could have been 1800 on the dot uh not completely no it would no it would have been later no it would have been later because uh, it was after alexander hamilton had died so aaron burr we know, of course, most famously is the individual that murdered Alexander Hamilton in, in a duel, perhaps most famously. Um, he was, just to lay a groundwork here, not the most um, virtuous, politically virtuous individual, not that anybody to speak of <laughs> is or was. Like, that's so vague. But Aaron Burr, throughout his political career, had a habit of being very... Um, very uh, wishy-washy, flip-floppy. He, he was the kind of person that was opportunistic to the extent that he would change his political views, platforms, and affiliations to obtain power. So just know, just know that. So hot. And um, in, in a certain juncture in his political career, he was running in the same presidential race with Thomas Jefferson. And how this worked at the time was that the person that got the second most electoral votes would be the vice president. So obviously that's going to be flawed because like you don't want to end up being in this being in the situation where two people that are diametrically opposed on a political level having to work together as president and vice president. So then what electors would do is they would kind of inside you know um internally decide who would be president and who would be vice president from the same party 
And once that was agreed upon, an elector would have to withhold their vote to make sure that the agreed upon vice president got the second most vote. So it would kind of, it would be this unofficial collusion that they would have to do, you know, within that body. Um, so obviously that's not going to always work. I mean, it was a bad system and that's why it's different now. But the, at the time, Aaron Burr and Thomas Jefferson were running together as running partners and had agreed to themselves that Thomas Jefferson would become president and Aaron Burr agreed to be his vice president so the electors would have to make that happen. Um, the thing is that um, Aaron Burr had told Thomas Jefferson he was going to talk to the electors, I think from Rhode Island, and say, I'm going to get so-and-so to withhold their vote so that you get the most votes. So Thomas Jefferson said, okay. And then what happened was the person that was supposed to withhold their vote for Aaron Burr didn't do it. And Aaron Burr ended up with the same amount of votes as Thomas Jefferson. So they were completely in a dead tie. So you can imagine Thomas Jefferson was a little bit... Um, surprised and confused that that had happened. The tie ended up having to be broken up in the House of Representatives and Thomas Jefferson became president and the rest is history, but that kind of that incident generated a schism between him and Aaron Burr. Mm -hmm. uh, here's, here's what Aaron Burr goes on to do later. He travels south uh, somewhere in the New Orleans area and he meets up in a boat ride with Somebody whose name escapes me at the moment. I'm having to remember this on the fly, so I don't have, like, details prepared. Like, I want to say the individual was named, like, William Harrison or something. Hey, uh, Jerry, can you, like, stall for time real quick? I want to look up this guy's name. Uh, me? Stall for time? You think I'm good at doing something like that? Like, drawing out the clock so that people don't notice that, like, there's just this weird void where we're not talking about much? JT, what's your take on that? You think uh, I'm any good at stalling, it, stalling for time? You know, uh, as far as my take, I really don't take much. Uh, you know, Alright, I found it. I got it. I got it. It's, <laughs> I believe the individual was named Jake Wilkinson. Um, basically, Aaron Burr, you fucker. So basically, Aaron Burr and Jake Wilkinson get in their boats and they meet up in the middle of the water and they are trying to generate this plan to get enough people on their side to stage an insurrection and overthrow the American government and start their own country. So he he did that. Aaron Burr did that. And they were writing letters back and forth and they were trying to figure out how they were going to do this revolution and like all that kind of stuff. Uh, as like, you might be like Aaron Burr. Why? I'm like. I don't know exactly. I get he hated Thomas Jefferson. He hated what like happened to him as vice president. He hated. I think he went a little bit crazy after he killed Alexander Hamilton. Wasn't the most popular political figure. I don't know. One thing leads to another, and a person tries to stage an insurrection. Um, here's the the real gag. Okay, here's the real gag. Wilkinson. So papers end up on Thomas Jefferson's desk, completely exposing this plan. Right. Guess who sent the papers? Go ahead and guess. Burr. Yeah, no, no. The guy who was talking with Burr. Okay, yeah, it was James Wilkinson. James Wilkinson sent those papers and completely exposed the whole thing and blew it up. Um, Thomas Jefferson wanted to arrest the fuck out of Aaron Burr for doing this. I believe at the time, the uh, chief justice was John Marshall... I want to say that's who it was. Um, 
see that now there's dead air because I'm having to look it up. This is why you come prepared with notes. I mean, let's just go ahead and say that it was John Marshall. John Marshall did not like Thomas Jefferson, just as a little detail. Ultimately, his ruling was uh, Aaron Burr was talking about staging an insurrection, but he didn't actually do anything. He didn't do anything, and it's not illegal to talk about insurrections. It's just illegal to actually physically attempt them. So Aaron Burr was not convicted for meeting up with James Wilkinson and, like, talking about doing this thing. Um, ultimately, Aaron Burr, I think, left to went to go live in Europe and then kind of died in obscurity. <laughs> you know, so not the happiest ending for him. But... I think this whole historical example fits in nicely to the conversation and even specifically with current events about the insurrectionists that were in Washington, D.C. I mean, that's a little different because they were there physically attempting to stage a coup d'etat, whereas Aaron Burr only talked about it. But that's just an example historically of when an individual uh, plans to incite violence but ultimately doesn't. And in Aaron Burr's case, he didn't get convicted for it. So I just want to throw that little I think that's an interesting story out there. Should he have been convicted? I don't know. Would he have been now? Depends, but like I think that maybe. I don't know. Does anybody have any thoughts? Anybody like, oh wow, that's interesting, Aime. Thanks for bringing that anecdote to the table. That was definitely a good anecdote. Um, I hold I'm not poisoned anymore. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, thank you, Jerry. <laughs> good antidote. Good antidote. I, I, I think that... Um, anecdote. Anecdote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same reasons that I think that representing um, April Ruth is bad. It's like it's very... We, we can very clearly see what's going on here. It's not like, oh, well, you know, you were just saying that you hate Bill Clinton. You're not saying, I'm going to fucking kill Bill Clinton and then also make a plan to kill Bill Clinton. Like, it's, it's different, I feel like. Yeah, yeah well, this kind of, this kind of stuff is, like, why people uh, have been getting in legal trouble over converging on the internet to discuss assassination plans for Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi and other uh, Democratic politicians. Um, that's why... Parlor was removed from Amazon hosting services. Donald Trump getting removed from Twitter. That's kind of it all is in the same circle of causation here. So a lot of people disagree with it because I even heard that um, the leaders of Mexico and Germany have both publicly made it clear that they don't approve of Donald Trump getting removed from Twitter as much as those countries dislike Donald Trump. Uh, they are afraid that that sort of you could interpret it as an example of censorship would extend eventually to them as well so they're nervous about the precedent that it sets i've even seen some liberals concerned about it as well uh i think for the most part the conclusion on the left side of the political spectrum is that twitter is simply a company about the you know the uh terms of service or jack dorsey is within his right to remove anybody he wants from his platform regardless uh, but there are, you know, there there have been conversations about does it set a bad precedent? Should we be concerned? Should Donald Trump still have his Twitter account? Should Parler still be on whatever? It's it's all that kind of where do you draw the line with? Does pe do people using their freedom quote freedom of speech to converge and commune on the basis of insurrectionism or violence? 
is that la unilaterally acceptable and does it only become unacceptable when it manifests in physical action that's you know a conversation that has been being had recently i don't know if anybody want to share their thoughts on it or if they, we feel like we've already covered that but that's just i think it's relevant you know so i feel like for some reason what's popping into my head is the laws for self-defense uh it varies from state to state but there are places where you are allowed to defend yourself if you even feel like threatened like if you feel like you're in danger you are allowed to physically defend yourself like if somebody says i have a gun and i'm going to mug you you are allowed to do something to defend yourself to get away from that situation if people are yes. online saying, I am going to kill these people, then you are able to do things to prevent them from trying to kill you. And, and in this case, that manifests as removing the platform they use to communicate, which overlaps into the truncation of free speech. And by your logic, Jerry, you think that is warranted or acceptable? Uh, when it comes to like openly plotting violence against people yes mm -hmm. what about you jt well, well jt we we heard your thoughts last week but do you want to recapitulate about um donald trump being censored on twitter about more so about the individuals who were planning to like hang mike pence and assassinate nancy pelosi and other liberals and stuff like that on parlor and the donald win and whatever yeah, to, to reiterate, in a more sound state of mind, um, those people were well within their right to um, buck off and die. You know? Um, did <clears throat> did they have the right to do what they did? No. Was it right that they did what they did? No. Um, and I think that they should be punished at the full extent of the law. Um, there was a bomb. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's not like there are pipe we bombs. we're gonna march down to the Capitol. We're gonna demand change. Yeah, when you vote with a bullet, you fucking like no way, dude. Absolutely not. That what? that's only the most unacceptable um, domestic thing that I've probably lived through. That isn't just a, a child outright walking into a school and like laying with, you know. You know, what really gets me about the whole thing is that these people that are doing this, I guess it's kind of needless to say, but it boggles my mind. These people that are doing these things really think they're doing the right thing. They, I mean, some people are just senselessly violent because they have that impulse and there's no real thought or philosophy behind it. But so many people think that this insurrection was a warranted, justified, and heroic revolution, and they're analogizing themselves with the Founding Fathers and Revolutionary War soldiers, and they do that sincerely. I mean, they think they're the next wave of intellectual pamphleteers <laughs> and demagogues and soldiers who are bringing justice where it is sorely needed and i and they truly deeply believe that and hold that conviction within themselves um and they think that they're preventing the onset of mad max or the hunger games i mean i see more analogies to dystopian movies than anything um i can't and obviously we with our opinions we think we're in the right <laughs> you know what i mean i can't believe that 
There are so many people that esteem themselves as high-flying heroes in the name of God for justice and liberty for all that are doing these things and now they're getting in trouble for it under the FBI. I don't know if you guys have seen the videos, but there's like people getting arrested at airports and not being allowed to fly on planes because they've been branded by the FBI as domestic terrorists and they posted their identities are being discovered because they're posting like videos of themselves at the Capitol on social media and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I just, they think they're right. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like, how do you approach that? <laughs> you know what I mean? They think that they're Winston in 1984 rebelling against the thought police. I don't know. I, like, I don't know how to break into that mentality. Yeah, so that's the thing is like anyone who's ever um, quote unquote evil is either truly mentally unhinged yeah. or just really thinks they're the good guy. Yeah. Like, um, you, your brain needs to be so deficient to, <laughs> to ever truly justify doing absolute wrong to someone, you know? Like, I feel like, I feel like anybody can only ever justify doing something. It's like, okay, well, this is, this is beneficial. This will help someone, maybe strictly myself, and maybe we can call that evil, but, like, I, I well, well, I think that the people during the Capitol were evil. I think a lot of that also came from a immense um, sense of, of misinformation. Yes, and and just a, a total lack of perception. Yes, you know, yes. like how unperceptive do you need to be to to look at this this big uh, bag of, of flaming hot fucking Cheetos? And say, oh, good God, he should have been the president. What a fucked election we had. Damn, our country has failed us. Time to go take back our country, using our country's rights to take back our country and steal the country from the country. <laughs> Sack of shit. Fuck oh you. God damn it. <laughs> it definitely becomes... I. All right. Here's what I think. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. How many times have I said that? that the whole rhetoric and the major talking points on the side that we're discussing and the, you know the side of the insurrectionists the QAnon people the Trump supporters they in their minds are the ones that see through the veil they see the truth and they use facts and not feelings to you know ascertain their affiliations and to logic their actions um, and this rhetoric preys upon the minds of people that have the, the, the psychological complexes susceptible to perpetuating this like messianic self-perception. Do all those words I just used make sense? Like what I have a, so we were discussing my relative, um, what do we call him? R in past episodes. I have a person in my life that has fallen into the Q cult. <laughs> Bless uh, you, Jerry. Thank you. Uh, this is the just to just to reiterate. This is the man that believes the sun is holographically projected by the government. Democrats are giant lizards. Children are tortured, and their blood is sold to preserve youth by the vampires living in Hollywood. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what I find is that the rhetoric of we see through the veil, we've unlocked the truth, and the world needs to undergo this great awakening. Is the whole point is to find people that are feel emboldened and empowered 
by this uh, this rhetoric of you're so special, you're so talented and special and intellectual and so much smarter than everybody else because you have the special talent and this ability to see through the veil. That it, it kind of lays down the groundwork to foster a sort of messiah or a prophet complex and that once you get into that mindset it is very difficult if not impossible to break through that because it is so self-aggrandizing well and i think furthermore um like i i feel like it's very hard to acknowledge truly the extent of our own biases yeah, yeah. And so when I will speak for all of us here and anybody speak up if you think I, I speak untruthfully. Um, so I believe that we are all very rational thinking and compassionate people. I think that that falls in line with, with the general human nature to be compassionate, to see one in need and feel this this internal sort of call to to bring help um and ge generally we just give a shit about one another mm -hmm. um you know i was gonna make a point and i totally just dropped it absolutely fucking dropped it well so, yeah go ahead Jerry. i lost what i was gonna say too god damn it <laughs> Well, I don't know if this, where the hell's the conductor. I don't know if this helps refresh your memory, but I was talking about the messianic complex, the whole you feel emboldened by the rhetoric, and that's that becomes like impossible to break through right. mentally. So, something I wanted to talk about earlier is I'd be curious to know what the political climate was like before the original Civil War, like outside of slavery, just like if it was like similar to what's going on now. Um. In the antebellum period of America, it definitely depends on yeah, a little more specific because the Civil War started in the 1860s. The nation was founded in 1783, so there was a period of time. There, there, there were several decades in which the political climate was changing and undulating. Um, so to answer broadly, a lot of the rhetoric outside of slavery that had to do with politics had to do with things like um, bucolic versus urban interests tariffs which groups do we protect manufacturing versus agrarian uh farmers you know and stuff like that a lot of it was had to center around with america getting its footing as a being established as a, a national presence in international economics how much of the economics prioritizes domestic prosperity versus international prosperity um how much funding is to things like road construction and reparations, schooling, uh, access, things like that. There was a little sprinkle of feminism here and there, but that mostly had to do with the extent of domesticity. I don't think a lot of people were talking about women's suffragettes like <laughs> by that, you know what I mean? In the antebellum period, that became pretty big after the Civil War. Um, and immediately before the Civil War, I think the, the um, well, I won't get into all that. Does that answer your question? I don't know. No, I'm very confused. It's okay. easy to do that, especially because I'm a little bit sleepy. What Can you be more specific when you say political climate? What do you mean? Like, the tension between the parties. 
Where was that at? Because oh. I remember you telling me at one point, I don't know if this was in the car when we were talking about stuff beforehand, or if this was maybe in one of the Lost episodes, or maybe it's even recorded and available to listen. Everybody at home, we got to go back and check and let us know in the comments, if there are comments. No. But you were talking about somebody who had gone into like the House or the Senate at this time with like a oh. cane and almost oh. somebody oh. to death. No. With a cane in the middle of like... Yeah, the incident, okay, so that, okay, I see what you mean. I thought you were asking what political issues were discussed outside of slavery, so I misinterpreted your question. Um, So, that's, like, okay, the climate tension-wise does depend on the decade. I would say the closer the proximity to the Civil War, the higher the tensions if you mean outside of slavery, that's kind of hard to answer because it just increasingly everything had to do with slavery, manufacturing had to do with slavery, agrarianism, you know, all the kind of stuff. Um, in Durham Monroe's administration, which was the 1820s, yeah, or roundabouts, every, everybody, the national kind of consensus was that everything was great. We got through the War of 1812. We're all happy. We have a national anthem. We're Americans and we love being American. That kind of stuff. Uh, Andrew Jackson's administration. The era of populism booms. The Democratic Party is founded. Now everybody and their... Every white man can vote <laughs> and participate in politics. And that's everybody so great. Everybody and their brother. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you saw what I was about to do. Um... <laughs> So then that you could construe as a sort of felicitous time in the political sphere where a lot of people were agreeing on things and getting engaged politically. Afterwards, we had the Panic of 1837, which was called by, caused by an inflation crisis because Andrew Jackson didn't understand financial things. That was very bad. A lot of people were upset because they were losing their money and their property. There was the time that people you know, were having to move west and uh, under the frontier just a lot of stuff was going on uh the tensions got more and more escalated the closer we got to the onset of the civil war in terms of that story i told about somebody beating somebody over the head with a cane um that is one of two examples that i know of the most famous of the two would was the incident between charles sumner and preston brooks i believe charles sumner was a very ardent very vocal very transparent abolitionist and he was very belligerent and he was famous for being like very slavery is wrong we gotta get rid of it y'all are stupid who don't agree with me fuck you and preston brooks uh was a southern democrat and was very much the opposite uh not in temperament but in political views so he charles sumner had his back turned one day uh preston brooks is you know sitting there i think this took place shortly before the the chamber would have commenced uh, its congressional meeting. He gets his cane, walks up to Charles Sumner, and just fucking beats him over the head with his golden cane. Uh, um, like, until he's bleeding and unconscious. Then Charles Sumner ended up having to get sent to Europe for medical treatment because he had really bad cranial trauma as a result of this. Um, Preston Brooks was lauded in the newspapers mostly, if not exclusively, by his political fan base uh, for doing this thing. And they even sent him new cane, because he broke his cane when he attacked Charles Sumner. So some of his fans sent him new canes and like stuff like that. So he got this just so much camaraderie about how he beat the shit out of this guy. Um, 
And then Charles Sumner's followers, even though he wasn't the most popular political figure, people were so upset that Preston Brooks was being lauded for doing this that they re-elected him to his senatorial seat in subsequent elections, even though he was in Europe getting treatment. So basically, Charles Sumner's chair was just empty for a while while he was away. I think eventually he was able to come back and resume his, his job, I believe. Um, but that was, yeah, that was that whole incident. So I've always said uh, in terms of how bad have political tensions been, because so people are like, we're so partisan, everything's so bad. It's always been bad. There have always been bad periods. There have always been violence. There's always been that. There's always been division. That is not new. It's definitely our job as citizens of the government's job as the government to make sure that that's all contained and everybody is safe and happy and felicitous. Yes, Jerry, what would you like to say? Would you say there is an ability to draw a parallel between that incident and the incident with the Capitol building? Um, I mean... By the fact that, like, one side of the party is, like, lauding the party for their actions while the other is condemning them? It's definitely similar in a lot of ways insofar as, like, the, the tensions between ideologies get so high that such and such is moved to violence, and instead of being condemned, it's lauded. Um, here's the thing. People need to know where to draw lines here when it comes to disagreement, obviously. I don't think that even needs to be stated. When Joe Biden, this is not completely analogous, obviously, but when Joe Biden was debating Donald Trump the first time this past uh, election cycle, he told Donald Trump to shut up on air, on live national television. Uh, a lot of people were saying it's about damn time that somebody did that, and a lot of people were lauding him for this behavior, and a lot of people on both sides were saying that he shouldn't have stooped to that level. It would have been better if he had taken the high road and had not, you know, done something ostensibly as immature as saying shut up. I mean, that's very grade school type of behavior, supposedly. That's what people say anyway. Um, so that, that that's a more tame example of like, when do you laud somebody for crossing a certain line? Uh, and, and how much do your personal biases play into the opinion you choose to assume over that. I, for one, was surprised at how much positive press that Joe Biden had gotten, and I understood why people were happy about it. I completely get it. I wish Donald Trump had been told to shut up and had been taken to task for his unacceptable behavior and rhetoric and speech long ago. Um, was it I, I kind of was sitting in the camp of I wish Joe Biden had taken the high road, not because I think Donald Trump should have never been told to shut up, not because of that or because I agree with Donald Trump or any such thing, but just because, you know, you, you as a public person in certain situations have to be mindful and very careful about the ways in which you display your disagreement and how that's going to reflect on you as a person and you as your ideologies and the effect it's going to, you know, you get what I mean? I feel like I'm talking a lot. Am I making sense? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, I don't know. Does anybody, I don't know if anybody, we're, we're going to end here pretty soon. To cap off, does anybody have their own opinions on that, or should we go ahead and spill the tea? I think it's time to spill the tea. Are you guys yeah. ready to sp spill the tea? We talked a lot. We did talk a lot. Uh, which is good for a podcast. So, my thing was that I had the same toenail on both feet fall off at, on, in, on two separate occasions. They're thinking. No, for sure did not happen. I feel like you've talked to me about ingrown toenails at some point, so I'm going to say true. 
I did. They it did happen. I had. I never Come had. I never had ingrown toenails, but um, my middle toenail on both my feet just turned black one year. They just turned black inexplicably. And I was like examining one of them in the shower and it just came off. The whole thing just came off and it didn't even hurt. It just came off. Um, and then a couple weeks later, that same toenail on the opposite foot also came off in the shower. And I was like, these toes just don't have nails anymore. So they've, they've grown back and I'm fine now. I don't know why that happened, but yes, it did happen. Were you wearing shoes that were too tight? That Well, that's what my mom said. She was like, the way your shoes fit must have done that. Probably that's what it was. Like, I didn't think my shoes were a problem because they didn't hurt. But maybe my toes were just rubbing up against the front of it. I don't know. Whatever. It's yeah. over. <laughs> uh, I believe mine was I can crack my knuckles 22 times within 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, wait, what do you mean? Like, you can do this and it make a noise 22 times, like, in, like you can just keep cracking them? <laughs> so, first of all, yes or no, and then I will explain. I don't, I don't understand. Uh, yes, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, uh, essentially what it is is there's 22 knuckles that are crackable in your hands. Oh. You got one on each thumb and then two on each finger. Uh-huh. And I can crack them all really quickly if they've been sitting for long enough. Okay. No, don't! Oh, God. <laughs> oh, why are you... <laughs> I couldn't get all of them that time because I did it right before the podcast started, but I got, like, 14. Oh, I hate that shit. It's so gross. Okay, well, JT... It's your turn. Uh, yeah, Jerry, I think you had stepped away from this, and this might take a second. Um, when I was a child, um, I, like a very young child, um, I used to be obsessed with um, oh, yeah. like making things, like toys for me to play with out of like different food snacks, like, like fruit by the throat, gushers, fruit roll-ups, stuff like that. Like I would save them, I would hoard them. Um, and then just like make constructs out of them. And I was actually admitted to a therapist for a brief period of time because of my, my seeming like lack of, of um, understanding for how strange that was. Like I wouldn't buy it. I don't think that's true. I'm going with false. Yeah, no, no way. <laughs> uh, the main reason that I said that was false is because there's no way in hell your dad put you in therapy. <laughs> That, yeah, was the, that, was the, <laughs> that was the detail that got me too. I was like, nope, who would do that? <laughs> like, that's a normal thing like, for kids I was to like, do. I was like, well, <laughs> it's like, your mom? Maybe. Like, he's like, okay, you need some help. But your dad would be like, nah, I'll grow out of it. <laughs> so wait, was the whole thing untrue? Or was it just that you were never sent to therapy? Like, you never made Entirely things with... The, the entire thing, okay. No, I never fucking did that. Never fucking did that. No Dude, way. that was such an elaborate... Such an elaborate yeah, story you detail. weaved. Anyways. Anyways, anyways. Okay, well, thank you, anybody, everybody who is listening. This has been Uncommon Sense. We love having you tune in next week or whenever I post again for more discussions about whatever we talk about. Goodbye. Wait. Oh, God. Wait. wait. Yes!
We didn't say goodbye. We didn't even say goodbye. I'm Jerry. I'm gonna go first for once. I'm JT. I wore a thong. I'm wearing a thong. <laughs> That's I may. And I hate it here. Bye. I'm at the thong right now. Hey. Hey.